Kath and Mish from the hip. Kath, books. Let's talk books. Let's talk books. Because we love books. We love books. Are you a Kindle or a book? Oh, God, I'm a book. Yes, I am. I love looking at them. I love feeling them. I love smelling them. Yeah, the smell of bookshops. Yeah. I know it's a thing. It's very evocative. Yeah. And even like if when you're unpacking an old box of books and you find some old beauties. Yeah. It's the only thing I hate about moving house. Well, I certainly have ended up getting rid of a lot of books that I Mm. wish I hadn't now. I agree. But, you know, I'd love one day, it's a big dream, to have a house with a library. Wouldn't that be beautiful? One of the ones with ladder. Yeah, ladder. Oh, God. Like a shadow of the wind library. Uh, yeah, maybe. Mm. Oh, wow. Well, that feels circular that? though, doesn't it? That yeah. reminds me of the reading room at the State Library. I worked in a, an independent bookshop for a while. Did and you? It, so actually going to work and being surrounded by books was fabulous. Did you do any work? Well. Yeah, yeah. I would have just been flicking through the pages. No, I did a lot of work and I've got a question for you. Yeah. Duh. What are you reading? Well, I've... Literally yesterday finished a book, so I'm just about to start a new one. But yesterday I finished a book by a young um, Australian writer called Jessie Two T U, and it was called A Lonely Girl Is a Dangerous Thing. Mm. Read it? No, I haven't heard. Mm. Interesting. So what happened to me over COVID is that there's a number of friends around about, and we all just started sharing books because we were all reading so much, and I love that sharing books. and writing your name in it. So, of course, the part of the deal is you've got to return them, right? Have to. Have to. Mm. It's very rude not to. Mm. I loaned a copy of Catcher in the Rye to a friend of mine about 35 years ago and I'm still waiting for it to be returned. Yes. And I remind her constantly. Oh, you're still friends with the friend? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, she must have loved that book. Anyway, so uh, I've just that, read that. Anything and that's indicated that she doesn't have it anymore? Mm, possibly. Well, mm. she's moved house a couple of times. It's gone. Tell us about this book. Look, it's an interesting book. It's about a girl who – and Jessie too is a Taiwanese – comes from a Taiwanese family and she moved here when she was quite young. And so it seems to me like it might be a bit autobiographical because it's about a young Taiwanese girl uh, and her relationship with her family and she becomes a violin prodigy. Um. So she, at a very young age, is uh, playing to amazing, you know, concerts in New York and stuff like that. And it's about her mum who who travels with her and her teacher, a relationship with her teacher. And she's a lonely girl, right? And so the way that she counters her loneliness is by having absolutely random, outrageous sex. Oh. So there's a lot of sex in it. Which you don't, A, you don't expect from, you know... I didn't think you were going there at all with that no, intro. It's, it's full on. Yeah. Is it well written, the sex? Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah. So I don't know how much Jessie, whether it's, you know, as I said, it's her own experience, but there just seemed to be a few too many parallels. But um, <laughs> yeah. So, What's her decade? Oh, no, I think she's in her 30s or something. Oh, okay. But she's written of the perspective of this girl, Jenna, oh. the violinist, is 23. So I'm not sure how old Jessie is. Maybe she's still in her 20s. Mm. But anyway, I've just read that. And then before that, I've mm. been like a mad woman mm. lately, mm. I read a thing called We Were Not Men, which oh, is yeah. the first novel by a, a journo called Campbell Mattinson, who mm. I've known for a long time because mm. he's also a wine writer mm. and I've done lots of work with wine. Mm. And it's about twin boys mm. who have this tragedy occur to them and how their lives kind of roll out it's been kind of compared to um 
Boy Swallows Universe. Have you read yeah. Boy Swallows Universe? Yes. Oh, God, I love that yeah. book. So it's quite written in a very evocative but quite Australian tone. That's actually interesting you mentioned that because it seems, and I think thinking back it's, it is from my experience of working in the shop, that um, there are authors who come in and that their particular book will take off mm. and they actually generate a genre that follows them. Yeah, right. Um, which I don't think I'm making that up. I think that's an actual thing. I don't, I, I don't think it's just my observation. I think it's an actual thing. Well, I think, you know, books like Boy Swallows Universe and Jasper Jones, oh, God, I love that book too, they've got very Australian voices. But they're also, um, they're not afraid and they're, they're, you know, again, they're authentic and genuine. Mm. And Trent Dalton, he's a great writer. He's a great writer. He's a yeah. great speaker. Like I love all that, those okay. stories he's done in the Australian. As yeah. Well. Have really you read good. the new one about no, the stars and the universe? I, I can't oh, remember the Indigenous no. but they're making And they're making a series of... Um, Boy Swallows Boy Universe. Boy oh, Swallows God, I love well. that book. I read that a while ago. Yeah. So you're a, you're more of a fiction reader? Oh, darling, I have got, you know, Apart from the, the sensible investor or what, what's that book, you know, that changed it? The Barefoot oh, Investor. Barefoot, yeah. Haven't opened it. Well, it's, that's, it but really you know what should. else with that book? Even though it became a phenomena, mm. really bad presentation. Really? Oh, well, I haven't even opened bad it. Bad format. Thought, Who I th- wants to pick up that sort of semi-cut-off-the-top A4 format? I don't know what it is. Like, it's it's like a... I don't know. It's like a supermarket book. Mm. But, well, I just thought I thought I bought it know. to get sensible, you know, and like actually take control of my finances and I haven't opened it. That says something, doesn't it? <laughs> and in fact, we all know you've been shopping. Instead. I know, I've been shopping Online, like a lunatic. Like in a, real life. You want the truth. You can't handle the truth. From the hip. Bought some books today. Yeah, cookbooks. Two cookbooks. Yeah. That's good. Do you okay. read your cookbooks? I absolutely do read ah, my cookbooks. And so you love that anecdotal story that comes with the book? Cookbook? I do. Ah. So I love Otolenghi yeah. stories. Yeah. I just – someone gave me actually a book called – Merca and George or George and Merca or whatever. And it's a story about Merca Mora, of course. Mm. And when they came to Mm. Australia and their whole bohemian lifestyle Mm. and pictures of them down at the beach or Mm. Edith Vale or wherever they used to go Mm. and root each other. Mm. And everyone else. And everyone else. Mm. It was all mental. Back in this Absolutely. Mm. But the stories in it are just fabulous. And then there's a little recipe, you know, that's like a little, you know, chocolate mousse. You know, classic French dishes. Yeah. Love that. Yeah, yeah Love yeah. that book. Yeah. Okay, I've got a yeah, question I, for you. What are you reading? Well, I have uh, finally opened the deliciously gold-leafed production of Bone of Fact by David Walsh. Right. Which, in fact, I came across because I am a Walsh fan and yep. owner and all things. I do think he's a bit of a god. Um, uh, but I actually bought it for... My ex-husband, many years ago, probably around 2015-ish, I'd say. And at the time I picked it up and whatever headspace I was in, I couldn't get into it. And I've now – then I was using it as a sort of – hate to say it, sorry, David Walsh – like a blind stop. So my roller blind so it wouldn't bang at night when the window was open. You can't be doing that with books. (laughs) 
Uh, well, you know, this is good. Anyway, so it hasn't warped or anything. And anyway, now I'm reading it. It's, it is a bit – so as we were saying, you know, we need the book, not the Kindle. It is a bit of a weight in one's hand, especially if, like, you read – I read at night mm. before I go to sleep. Yeah. So it's like lying on my side with this heavy book in hand. It's fine. I'm loving it. I love his quirk. Yeah. I actually like his writing. I like the little footnotes, which are side notes. Um, so did you actually steal that from your ex-husband? No, I bought another copy when I went to. Oh, did you? No, in fact, I ordered it. And in fact, I don't know if you've ever ordered anything anything from Mona, but I mean, it, they just follow through with the whole shtick. So Love anything it. you order comes in the box, but it's not just in the box. It's buried in some black crevasse of paper. Yeah. And then it's got some incredible scent attached to it. Oh, God, I love that. So it's like – that's simple. It's a sensory experience itself, it's just opening s- the book. Exactly. And I loved Mona – even I loved the the writing of the price th- tags in the gift shop. Like just hilarious. The yeah. things – just such humour and yeah. not taking itself too seriously. I just thought it Exactly. Fabulous. And again, exactly. So the appeal is, again, in its authenticity. Yeah. It's not – I mean, they name it Art Wank. Yeah, if Art Wank on the app. you want to listen to Art Yeah, got to love that. Yeah. You know Club. what? I've just – it's just come into my head. But I'm thinking about books, bookshops, you know, who reads books, who gets books read to. So children's books. Yeah. With all this – digital age of kindle of online reading yep the children's book is still a stalwart in Mm. physical sales oh absolutely there's always children there's always parents there's always grandparents there's always relatives and there's always people who believe in the the nature of children reading or being read to i mean i read to to my eldest when she was I don't know. Very young. Oh, three well, months. Yeah, or me too. Yeah, yeah, I used to sit the tw- the kids in their little rocker things. Yeah, and read and read to them. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we did it from the beginning. Yeah, absolutely so, the beginning. So what I'm interested in is that why aren't there book groups for young parents? Well, that is a great idea because I've got to say, you know, when you first have your children and you go to those maternal health group things. Mm. The first one I ever went to, so we went to the maternal health group to learn how to look after your baby and yeah. then they sort of morph into a play group. Yeah. Which I, I went to one. Could you do, do you know it? what happened? No. No, uh, Do you know what happened? Mm. Week one, Tupperware party. What? With the babies? Yeah. How old were the babies? Oh, well, how old are you when you finish maternal health group? Two months old or something? Yeah. That's and I just thought, I, my brain's mushy enough. I don't need to come and talk about fucking plastic. No. I need to talk about books. I couldn't do it either. And it's this thing where... Okay, some of them work and some women are still have made lifelong friends with their mothers. I know group, they have right? and it's great. But that forcing to get just because all you have in common is a freaking baby. That's right? the same age. Yeah. And no. there these there's these hotbeds of competition. Oh yeah. They're hotbeds of delirium. I couldn't stand it. Yeah, either. no, me neither. Could not stand Let's get it. back to books. Yeah. I think we should maybe welcome our guest, should we? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Say hello to Corey Perkin. It's so great to be here, Kath. Hello, Mish. How are you both? Well, today we're talking about literature and who better to talk to than you who's at the coalface of literature, my friend. I can bore you senseless. How long have we got? Four years? (laughs) No, 60 years of experience, right? I have been reading since I was um, 
Well, my mother said I was advanced. I don't think that's right because every parent I've realised owning a bookshop, every parent comes in and says, oh, my child is a very advanced reader. So I think my mother would probably fell into that category. But I think it was when I was at school with John and Betty and um, Fluff the Cat and I can't remember the dog's name. Spot. I think it was Scott. Wasn't there a spot? All the scripts of which have been edited and changed. Yeah, what? exactly. So what are you buying for your grandchildren to read? Well, I'm going back to the basics. So the oldest is four. So we're not quite into the long story because of um, concentration and understanding levels. But I am finding that Enid Blyton is starting to come back into the repertoire. I can't wait for the for them to be old enough, probably in a year or two for Faraway Tree and all of that series. But there is nothing wrong with the books that I gave my children, which were Spot and um, The Lifting of the Flap. Yep. And books for toddlers and babies these days are so hardy and so fantastic. And girls, they're so inexpensive. I can't understand why parents are not still embracing the book. Because in terms of a value for money, Mm. put a toddler with a couple of books, board books that they can't tear, eat the pages, Mm. choke, you can wipe them down with after sticky fingers. Why parents aren't buying them in the truckload, I will never know. Is that a trend you've noticed, Corrie, then? Well, I've I've noticed that I I think the world mish is divided. This goes for readers of any age. This is kind of my mantra at the moment. The world is divided into two lots of people. One are the people who get books mm-hmm. and love them and the other the other group are the people who don't. And so the people who do are the people like the parents who have their kids propped up at like six months with a mm. book just looking at it to focus mm. or at 12 months give their child a book that they can scratch and feel and pull back the flaps and, you know, interact with it. And then there are parents and grandparents, of course, who sit and read endlessly for hours and we've all done that and we've all, well, I think we're all guilty of being bored by that too. If you're trying to get dinner on or get work done or something, it's very hard to devote the time but it's so essential because the children I find in my shop whose parents have engaged, their their vocabulary and their mm. prep years are fantastic. I can see them flourishing over the 12 years that we've had at the shop. And that mm. goes right through their love of books, goes right through their whole life to the point when, when you're a bookstore, uh, they worship you, they love you, they love coming in every month, they know the beat of the publishing world, they know every month there are going to be new releases and they come in to visit their new friends, they can't stay away from the place. Oh, and gorgeous. then there are other people who just don't really care much at all about books. Absolutely. Is it mainly women who buy books, Corrie, just generally speaking? It's Look, Kath, that's such a good question. I think about that often, certainly in terms of book clubs and buying gifts for friends, women are carrying the that role still. Uh, you know, I think the partners say to the to the woman in the house, oh, it's my mother's birthday, can you pick her up a book, you know? I don't know. But it always seems to be the women usually who are buying the gifts and women buy a lot of books because they're in book clubs and everything. But having said that, in our particular area, in our demographic in Hawkesburn where we are, we have a lot of um, of, of business and stay-at-home men who and, – and also millennials too, students, uh, you know, who really love coming in and saying, have you got Catcher in the Rye or, uh, you know, one of those great old classics. Yeah. 
Um, and we have a strong kind of business section. So that probably, well, women are interested in that as well. But, yeah, I think probably it is the women who are doing the buying. They buy for the children mostly. Yeah. Are you in a book club, Mish? I've been in maybe, I was going to say two or three. Yep. Look, I love the intent. The ones I've been in have essentially imploded. Um, they have become, or I've left, because yep. they have become wine fests and in both spellings of the word, as in with H and oh, with Oh, God, H. okay. And those personalities, these little sort of vignettes. So you'll get loud, bossy and brash, quiet and retiring who never says anything, um, sort of want to be friends with them. They, they become in these character types. Oh, this is my experience. And where did the book go in between all that? Oh, God. Um, Maybe you were a moderator though, Corrie. Do you sort of moderate your book club? Yeah, we do. But on Mish's point though, I totally get that because yeah. my, my own personal book club mm. has been going since 1991 or 1992. Mm. And um, we had crew breakdowns as I call it, Mm. Uh, probably, gosh, maybe about 10 years in. I'm just thinking I can remember exactly whose house we were at the night we kind of said this is not working because the tension that grows. And as you quite rightly say, Mish, there are always the personality types. And what happens often is that the, the people who are the really keen readers and have a voice are often the ones who are prescribing the next book. And Others feel a bit resentful or left out or I don't know, they, maybe they can't be bothered. And so what we try and do with the book clubs in the shop, I, I don't pretend otherwise, I'm totally bossy, you know, but I'm impartial. And also the people in the bookshop groups, they don't know each other. And that is the trick, my friends. I think it is. Yes. Well, I was going to say too, yeah, because I worked in an independent bookstore for a while and we ran a book club there. And so we had a moderator who would introduce the book and people would come. And I think that's also, I think it also the, the taking it out of the home context also makes a difference. So people are sitting in the Neutral in the territory. Store and then there is, there is the moderator. And then each and every person was addressed to see if they wanted to make a contribution, which they obviously had a choice or not. But so that everyone was actually offered a voice and there would be some people who would speak, you know, more readily than others. But I think that it felt like this very inclusive and, you know, and a sort of democratic yeah. process. process. And you focused on the book. Like that's the other thing, yeah. So the interesting thing is that and that what happens then when you all become friends. So when we started our book club back in the early 90s, there were four or five of us working at the Sunday Age and we all and we a couple of us were friends but most of us were kind of work colleagues and we thought okay let's start a book club let's all ask one person or two people can't remember who we know not best friends not besties but people mm. we know love books so of course the first meeting hardly anybody knew each other well 10 and 15 years later people are going on holidays together people are having yeah. dinner yeah. everything because so then you sit down at a meeting and the first 15 minutes is where have you been? What are you doing? How? The- <laughs> you know. But often, often little cabals would start forming. So it's yeah. really good actually if you get together with a group and not many people know each other. And and something happens with menopause girls because pre-menopause you get a bit antsy with your book club. And then, as a friend of mine, Kath said, you know, for me ten years ago, whenever it was, when everybody was really scratchy, she said, 
we're all going through menopause. Can we all just be a bit kinder to one another? <laughs> it's, it's funny you say it's that. It's like the great diffuse. Yeah, yeah. My, my, my book club kind of imploded too, just everyone sort of got busy, but it did turn into secret women's business and everybody went through something quite traumatic at that time. So it was a pretty special place to be, but it, you know, it just, it ran its course. My mother's in her um, early 80s and she belongs to two book groups. Yeah. One is French, so they only read and speak in French. She's oh, not God. French, but she's fluent. And the other is, is an English-speaking Amazing. book club. And they, um, they're all dedicated to it and they're dedicated to discussing the book. And they're, they're probably in then another era or, and another demographic where we don't need to talk about any of this women's business anymore. We're here for the, we're here for the purpose. Yeah, right. Cute. Corrie, we're going to have to wrap up, but what I would like to know is if we have listeners who are interested in connecting with you, where can we find you? You can find us at mybookshop.com.au. And if you go in there, it might ask you a little pop-up says, would you like to be a friend? And that means you can then uh, receive once a week into your inbox our newsletter. Thanks, honey, and um, we'll talk soon. Lots of love. Bye-bye. Thanks, Kath. Bye. From the Hip is a weekly podcast featuring Kath and Mish for and on behalf of From the Hip Enterprises, recorded in the studios of From the Hip. You can subscribe and find more episodes of From the Hip at fromthehip.live. On Instagram at fromthehip underscore podcast, search for From the Hip on Facebook and download wherever you'd like to get your podcasts. Until next time, stay fab, stay fearless, stay hip. All right. All right, Del. Well, beautiful to see you. I'll see you next week. Okay. Cheers. Bye. Bye.